nations and how God had made them from one man. Of course, uh, Jesus, I mean rather Adam, uh, being that one man, we talked about the fact that God is the father of all and Eve is the mother of all and so forth. But there are many ethnic groups, there are many different nations, but they're coming from the one group. There's, there's really one human race altogether as we think about it, one human race uh, that has a soul that will one day return back to God, stand before God in judgment. Number two, the Bible makes it clear that there are such a thing as immigrants. Okay, and So we talked about the fact that Abraham was an immigrant. Uh, he moved from one place to another and even became an immigrant in Egypt for a short amount of time. And we'll come back to that one just a little bit tonight. So there are such things as immigrants. Number three, the Bible makes it clear that nations have rights to their borders. You remember when Moses and the children of Israel were going uh, along to the promised land. They wanted to pass through one certain country, and that country would not allow them to go through. They said, don't, don't come through here. We'll pay you for it. Don't come through here. And so they sent their army out to make sure that they didn't. And so Moses and the children of Israel went around the land of Moab. And so there are certain rights, and there were more that we added to that. Number four, the Bible makes it clear that both citizen and immigrant are to abide by the law of the land. become important when one becomes an immigrant in order to follow the laws to get into a certain country and also to stay in that country. And uh, we did not talk about that this morning, but we'll come back to that just a little bit at the end of our lesson tonight. What are some of the other things that the Bible has to say in regard to illegal immigration? Well, number one tonight on our list is this. The Bible makes it clear that deportation, and we put that in uh, quotation marks tonight for uh, a simple reason, but the Bible makes it clear that deportation is sometimes allowed. Now, the Bible never uses the word deportation, but we do know that that's what happens in a lot of the cases that we, or at least several cases that we see in the Word of God. You see, when we think about that, it was the case with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, at verse 10, the Bible speaks about how he became a sojourner. Uh, he went down to Egypt to sojourn there. But if you go down in chapter 12 to verse 20 and go all the way through verse number 1 of chapter 13, the Bible says, And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. Now, if you stop and think about why Pharaoh is giving orders, the Bible says that Pharaoh had taken Sarai into his house. He did not know that she was uh, the wife of Abraham. They had said, she is my sister. And God uh, pretty much plagued Abraham, or rather Pharaoh and, and the land because of how they were treating Sarai. And, and so they came to figure it out and the Bible says Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Abram went up from Egypt, 
he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the Negev. He got run out of Egypt. He, that is deportation. The king, uh, the ruler of the land, says, you've got to go. And he tells the men who evidently are in charge, he's got to go. And so what does Abraham do? Abraham leaves. He leaves the land. He leaves the jurisdiction, if you will, of Pharaoh. And so we have that case. Same was true with Isaac. Uh, in the case of Isaac, if you go again in the book of Genesis chapter 26, at verse number 6, the Bible says that Isaac settled in Gerar. And if you go on down to verse number 8, the Bible says that he was there for a long time. If you remember this morning, we gave the statistics. The average illegal alien has been in the United States for 13.6 years. They've been here a long time. But so had Lot. Lot, I mean, uh, uh, Isaac. Isaac had been in Gerar, the Bible says in verse 8, for a long time. Well, you know the story behind that one too, don't you? Like his father Abraham, Isaac had said that his wife was his sister until one day Abimelech looked out the window and saw them. King James Version, I think, says sporting. They, they were acting like husband and wife. And so what happens? Well, according to uh, uh, verse 16 of Genesis chapter 26, the Bible says, And Abimelech said to Abraham, Go away from us. For you are much mightier than we. Get out of town. Verse 17 says, So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. He left. It's interesting, though, when you go on down to verse 27, Abimelech comes to Isaac at a later date. And the Bible says that Isaac said to them, Abimelech and the, the men who were with him, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me, and have sent me away from you. You see, he got run out of town too. He got, in a sense, deported. And so you can see why we're putting that word in quotation marks. It's never used in the Word of God. But so far, <coughs> so far we've seen Abraham and Isaac both having been deported from different places. But that's not the only passages in the Word of God that deal with that. The same was true with the, with the foreign wives that had come back with the exiles who had returned from Babylonian captivity. If you have your Bible, you may want to turn over to the book of Ezra. In Ezra chapter 10, uh, we began reading in verse number 1, while Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel. And the people wept bitterly. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, of the sons of Elam, addressed Ezra, We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. But even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. Verse 3 says, Therefore, let us make a covenant with our God. And put away all these wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. Notice what the men, what, the, 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 uh, uh, what they have determined that they must do. Uh, the Bible says that they uh, determined to make a covenant with God that we'll put away 
these wives from this foreign land. Now, a lot of times when we see that term put away in the Bible, the first thing that comes to our mind is, well, we will just divorce them. You know, sometimes the Bible does use that terminology to speak of divorce. But the word that's used here is quite interesting because it's used several times in the Word of God. And every time it's used, the word that's translated put away, it's used in the case of somebody going to a distant place. For example, in the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. He went away. Same word that's used. So uh, not only that, but Genesis chapter 12 at verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. It's translated here, not went away, simply as departed. When he departed, Haran. To leave the place of his homeland, to go to the, uh, to the new place that God is going to give him, to, to the promised land, uh, is a great distance. But Abram departed, he left the place from where he had been. And then it's also used in an interesting sense in the book of Genesis chapter 35 at verse 18 that speaks of Rachel as she was giving birth to her last child. And the Bible says, Now, or rather, and her, as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. As her soul was departing. Where was her soul going? It was leaving her human body and returning back to God who gave it. So the idea, the concept that is mentioned here in Ezra chapter 10 at verse number 3 seems to be more than simply we will divorce these wives, we will separate ourselves from these wives. In Genesis, or rather Ezra chapter 10 verse number 11, still in this same discussion the Bible says, Now then make confession to the Lord the God of your fathers and do His will. And then he says, Separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives. When we look at that word separate, sometimes it's a word that we think about, okay, now it can still mean uh, that, that they divorced, but uh, he said to separate it. That word too is interesting. It's used in Genesis chapter 1 at verse number 4 where the Bible says, and God saw the light that it was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. What's darkness? The absence of of light, isn't it? That's what darkness is. It's either light or it's dark. They can't reside in the same spot. You've got to have one or you've got to have the other. And so God separated the light from the darkness to move them apart. And that's what he tells these people to do as well. You go on down to verse 19. They pledged themselves to put away their wives and their guilt offering was a ram of the flock for their guilt. They pledged themselves to do what, the, what God had said that they were to do. And then you go on down to verse 44. All these had married foreign women, and some of the women had even born children. You know, if he does mean by what we have looked at tonight 
that they were to put away their foreign wives, that is, send them back. Here is an emotional case that they had to deal with. They had children by the foreign wives. But send them away. Have you heard that argument in our society when it comes to illegal immigration? Oh, well, they've been here for a long time, and now they have children who are here. God dealt with that a long, long time ago. And he made it clear that in order for his law to be followed, that's exactly what happened. Nehemiah chapter 13 at verse number 3, still under this same discussion, as soon as the people heard the law, they separated from Israel all those of foreign descent. Mark, why are you saying that it's not just putting them away in the sense of divorce? They sent them out of the country. They separated not from their husband, not from their wife. They separated from Israel. They separated from the nation. And so again, even though it's an emotional kind of thing, we mentioned this morning in our lesson that when we began to speak of illegal immigration, it is an emotional kind of argument or emotional things that, that must be discussed. Deportation is sometimes painful and difficult to do. But it was something that was practiced at least in a few cases that we read about in the Word of God. It may seem unfair, but it can be necessary because of violations of law, the violations of law. And so, number one, as we are continuing our study tonight, sometimes separate or deportations are allowed and necessary. But then here's another thing. The Bible makes it clear that when assimilating takes place, wickedness must not be adopted. What do we mean when we're talking about assimilation? Well, assimilation is defined as the process of adapting or adjusting to the culture of a group or nation or the state of being so adapted. Okay, that's the definition, but what does it really mean? Becoming like the people who are around you. Accepting the laws, accepting the customs, accepting um, the way that they live. You know, again, when you hear things that are spoken about in regard to illegal immigration in our own country today, uh, you'll see on, uh, uh, on uh, uh, TV images of people who are protesting because you know, someone has mentioned something about deportation and what are they doing? Holding up the flags of their country that they brought in. Holding up the customs of their country that they brought in. Now, Assimilation may be a good thing, but assimilation may be a bad thing. Whenever we, we begin to think about it, assimilation, you know, may not be what God expects people to do. For example, the book of Leviticus chapter 18, verses 2 through 4, the Bible says, So speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived. And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan, to which I'm bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I'm the Lord your God. God did not want 
the children of Israel to assimilate with the Canaanites, just to go in and adopt their way. Why was God running them out of the land? Why was God having many of them completely and utterly destroyed? Because of the wickedness that they had. God said, don't do that. Don't do like you, don't, don't take the customs that you had even back in Egypt with you. Why? Well, they were pagan worshipers too. And God says, I don't want you to do that. Look at Leviticus still in chapter 18, down at verses 24 beginning. The Bible says, Do not make yourselves unclean by any of the things, for by all these the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean. And the land became unclean, so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you shall keep my statutes and my rules, and do none of these abominations, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For the people of the land who were before you did all these abominations, so that the land became unclean. Lest the land vomit you out when you make it unclean, as it vomited out the nation that was before you. You don't just go do something because somebody else is doing it. Assimilation, though, as you think about it, is also mentioned in this passage. Notice the fact that when God established his rule in this new country that he gave to his new nation, that even the foreigners, the sojourners who were there, and just like we noticed this morning from the standpoint of the law, the foreigners had to do the same thing that the natives were doing in regard to what was right. They were to adopt the customs by not uh, casting their children to Moloch, the, the, you know, offering them as sacrifices and so forth. And so, again, you have the idea of assimilation that comes in, but it can't be with wickedness um, involved with it. And so, you know, <clears throat> when people don't assimilate into our society today, uh, we certainly wouldn't expect them to assimilate and do the, the sinful things that our own nation is involved in, would we? But at the same time, we would expect them to live by the laws and to, to honor the, the customs and the traditions, if you will, that are good and that are right. And so the Bible makes it clear some things about assimilation. And one of the things is this, it can't be that we assimilate wickedness on either side, whether we're coming in or whether, uh, whether others are coming in to us. Well, what's another thing, quickly tonight, as we continue on our journey? Here it is. The Bible makes it clear that though immigrants may sojourn in a different land, there is still a distinction between them and the citizens. You see, even though they are to abide by the same laws, there are still some distinctions that are made even in the Word of God. Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 14 at verse number 21. The Bible says, You shall not eat anything that has died naturally. Now, what's this next part of that verse? You may give it to the sojourner who is within your towns that he may eat it, or you may sell it to the foreigner... For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Now, we could spend a lot of time talking about the last part of that and, 
And, and I think it boils down to this, not to have a pun or anything like that, but I think it boils down to something like this. You don't do what those who were already there who were doing and worshiping the idol, uh, boiling the, the, the young goat in its mother's milk. But look back up to the first part of that verse is really what we want to focus on. You can't do it, but the foreigner can. And I want you to notice the reason that he says that the children of Israel could not eat of anything that had died naturally. It's not because of the sanitation in this case, because he makes it clear that the foreigner can eat this animal that has died. It's not because God is afraid they're going to get something and make them sick, because the foreigner, the sojourner who's even within their gate, can eat it. But what is the purpose? The purpose is, God said, you are a people holy to the Lord. You see, as we look at this passage, the Israelites held a special position in their own nation and with their own God. They had a special position. They were a people holy to the Lord. The word holy literally means consecrated or set apart as dedicated to God. It's what the word translated holy means. Because these people were holy, because they held this position with God, the children of Israel were held to a higher standard than even those who were around them. You, you, you can give it away, you can sell it, but you can't eat it. Why? You're holy. They're held to a higher standard. But not only that, understand this. Because of their position, the Israelites would receive greater blessings. What do you mean by that? Deuteronomy 7 verse 6. He says, for you're a, ho a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. God wanted more for them. The blessings more. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, down in verse number 12, going through verse 14. Because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep you with the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to his fathers. And because you, uh, he will love you, bless you, multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your ground, your grain and your wine and your oil, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock in the land that he swore to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. The purpose in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, for all of this, there are people holy to the Lord. The reason that they were not to eat of the animal that had died of itself, of its own, its own, they were holy to the Lord. They were special in the sight of God. God expected more from them, but He also expected to give them more. Regardless of whether He had said, don't eat the animal, or what He said, 
what they were made the difference between the citizens of God's kingdom in the Old Testament and the sojourner. They were holy to the Lord. You have more blessings, more privileges. You're holy to the Lord. And so that again would even come into play in our own day and time. Though immigrants are to be treated kindly, does not mean that they are to be treated equal to the citizens of a country, no matter where they are. And it so happens in our own country that not only in many cases are they seemingly treated equal to, but given more privileges. That's backward from what the Word of God has to say. And so again, as we look at it, the Bible makes it clear that though immigrants may sojourn in a different land, there's still a distinction between them and the citizens. But then number four tonight, the Bible makes it clear that immigrants were to be cared for when necessary. They were to be taken care of, fed, clothed, given supplies. The Bible makes that clear. Let's look at a couple of passages. What about the produce of the fields? Leviticus chapter 23 at verse 22, the Bible says, And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the, your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them, watch this, for the poor and for the sojourner. I'm the Lord, your God. They couldn't cut everything out of the field. They couldn't gather everything that they had grown. Part of it had to be left for the poor and the sojourner. The resident alien who was still in their country. Do you remember we mentioned this morning that Solomon, Second Chronicles, took a census of the people who were in the nation. They found 153,600 Resident aliens is the way that the English Standard Version translates it. 153,600. You can't cut your fields all the way to the edges. You've got to leave some. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse number 19. When you reap your harvest in the field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. If you, if you leave one behind, maybe one falls off the truck. I understand they didn't have trucks back then, but y'all play along with me. If some falls off the truck, you can't go back and get it. You had to leave it for them. But even more than that, I should have been clicking along here, Let's look at another passage out of the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 14, verses 28 and 29. Notice what the Bible says. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. Now, what is a tithe? Well, that's a tenth portion, isn't it? They already can't cut the outside... They have to leave that. If they drop something, leave it behind, forget it, leave it behind. They have to leave that. But now every three years, 
they were to bring a tithe, the tenth part of what they what they've grown, whatever's in their field, of the produce of that year, you're to bring it. Verse 29 says, And the Levite, because he has no portion, you're bringing it to give to somebody. The Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner and the fatherless and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. What were they to do under the Old Testament law? Leave what they had on the edges, leave what was left in the field or forgotten in the field, but every third year they had to bring a tenth part. That meant they only got 80% of what they had grown that year. Why? 10% went to the Lord. 10% went to feed the Levites and the sojourner in the field. And so as you look at that, God takes that pretty seriously, doesn't he? Deuteronomy 26 at verse 12, when you finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of tithing, give it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled. God gives some pretty hard instructions there in regard to the foreigners who had come in because the children of Israel were to take care of them because they didn't have any land to farm. They didn't have a means of taking care of themselves. So it became necessary that they were dependent upon the children of Israel. In the New Testament, the Lord addresses the same matter. Not in the same sense, not in the tithing sense, but in the book of Matthew chapter 25, we have all nations of the earth gathered before the Lord, don't we? You remember the judgment scene that's portrayed there? And some were going to hear, enter in. Some were going to hear, depart. And both groups really want to know why we're hearing what we're hearing. And in Matthew chapter 25, at verse 35, Jesus is speaking to the first of the groups. And he says, when did, what about all the, for I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. The word stranger there is from the word xenos, the same word we get the word xenophobia from. It literally means an alien or a foreigner. Sometimes we think about strangers as being our neighbor down the street. Perhaps they are. But that's not the word that's used. I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger. And what did you do? Welcomed me. Welcomed me. That's an interesting word too. It literally means to gather me in. I was a stranger and you gathered me in. Later in the book of Hebrews, different term is used when we're commanded to entertain, uh, to, to care for strangers because uh, we may in, uh, entertain angels unaware. Different word used in regard to stranger over there. Here's one that literally means foreigner or alien. 
You see, as God looked at the people under the Old Testament law and said, I've got compassion even on those who are not a part of your own culture and your own country. So it is that in the New Testament, that's reaffirmed. That we are to look out even for the foreigner, for the alien. I would suggest to you tonight that the same words that are written in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 at verse 10 would apply to the alien, to the resident alien, whoever it might be, to the sojourner as it would be to anyone else. Even when we were with you, Paul says, we would give you this command, if anyone was not willing to work, then neither should he eat. That would apply as well, equally across the board, but... Sometimes there are those who are suffering and they need some help. And as best I can tell from the New Testament, we as Christians are to be the first on the list to help. You know what? Same thing is said in regard to the others, the ones who would here depart, because they were strangers and they weren't taken in. God takes this matter seriously, doesn't He? It's not something that we can just sort of forget about, you know, or let somebody else take care of, or let other folks handle, even when it comes to illegal immigration. Let me see if I can tie it together tonight in the couple of minutes that we have left. Someone wrote the following. What would... Jesus do in regard to illegal immigration? They ask that question. They put these uh, six things up here. Look to Washington for a solution. B, call INS. C, invite them to worship service. D, meet their needs. E, all of the above. Or F, none of the above. What would Jesus do? Well, I think based on our study tonight as well as this morning, we could eliminate F because there are some needs that would perhaps need to be met. And surely God would want even the alien to be saved, want them to have salvation, so we could eliminate F. I think we could also eliminate A because God doesn't need another nation to handle His affairs. We don't have to look to the leaders of our nation to handle every single thing in our life. And, and, and I think because we've eliminated A, we'd also have to eliminate E, all of the above, because we've eliminated one of them already. And so that only leaves three. Call INS, invite them to worship service, and meet their needs. Now which of those three would Jesus do? You know, I still think within the study that we've made in regard to what the Bible has to say, Jesus might do all of those, all three of those. Why? We made a big deal this morning out of both the resident or the citizen, the native, and the sojourner. They were to abide by the law of the land. The law of our land says what? You're not supposed to be here. If you don't have the proper documentation, you become an illegal alien. And so it may be that 
He would handle it from that standpoint in order to follow the law of the land. But I'm also quite certain that since he came to give his life a ransom for many, he came to die for the whole world, uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, uh, that he'd want them to know more about God. Don't you think? But he also cares about their needs being met. Because one day we'll be judged on what we've done. And so it may be that it's a combination of these three. We do want to... to show what the Bible has to say.